Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott. On this show, we address the challenges faced in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era. Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must have a missional mindset. Christianity does have the answers of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's conversation. How is Jesus moving in America today? How is Jesus moving in Western civilization? You know, if you look at the churches in Europe, the churches in England, you see a decline in church participation. And many people believe that the statistics that are coming out of the United States today indicate that the U.S. is on the same trajectory. But is it? Is it a decline in religion? Is it a decline in spirituality? Is it a decline in the love of Jesus? Or is Jesus just doing a new thing, which is what we want to talk about in this episode? Absolutely. Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Gray Scott and Hannah Greaser. Today with us, we have someone that is actually doing church in a new way. And he has given a lot of thought to the way church has been done in the past and the way it might be done in the future. Um, Eugene Kim is with us again today. He was with us last week. He has been a pastoral leader for over 25 years. And after spending 17 years helping to build a church from a young startup into a large established church with multiple locations, he discerned it was time to step outside of the familiar in order to reimagine how to do church and spirituality from the ground up. Eugene is an ordained minister and holds a BA in biblical studies and a master's of divinity degree. He is a systems thinker and connector of dots, but still a pastor at heart. He's passionate about designing a new way of being the church that offers everyone a place to belong. He sees his role in this new church, the New Wine Collective, as a chief architect and synthesizer of ideas, as well as a convener of conversations. Eugene, welcome back to the show. Hello, Haley and Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. We are excited to have you back. And, you know, we've looked a little into about what your, would you call it a nonprofit New Wine Collective? Or would you call it a church? Mm-hmm. Or Okay. So we've looked in. Definitely not a church. Okay. <laughs> so we've looked into it a little bit. Um, but for our listeners, can you describe what New Wine Collective is and how it first came about? Yeah, I'll do my best. Um, as you, you shared in my bio, uh, I was a pastor for many years. And, um, you know, frankly, I, I loved my church. Uh, I think my church loved me, um, but long story short, uh, I discerned it was time for me to to go, and um, it wasn't until I actually stepped outside of the institution um, that I was able to see things with a little more clarity, um, and part of that clarity was the sense that we really needed to rethink this whole system, um, and I really felt this uh, call to reimagine things from the ground up. Uh, so if, if the way we do church, if institutional church is kind of like a huge cruise ship and you know, it's very difficult to turn, um, I, I knew I needed something like a speedboat, something that would be more fast uh, and agile and nimble to try things and experiment and think out of the box. Um, That's you know, a great to image. Use a cliche, to use a cliche term to innovate, 
um, I had a lot of ideas uh, that that I was trying to synthesize and put together, but I knew that uh, it would be foolish to think I could do this work alone, uh, which is why I created New Wine Collective. Um, one of the ways I like to describe it is uh, it's a conversation with a purpose, and that purpose is to convene a multidisciplinary conversation about the next iteration of Christianity. I know that uh, real innovation isn't going to happen with just a few people in power and, you know, huddled in a room. It's going to be a much more collaborative process. It's going to welcome voices from the margins. It's going to include uh, people from all walks of life. And so that's essentially what the collective is. It's a community uh, held together by this purpose to uh, rethink and reimagine things from the ground up. That's awesome. And y'all provide resources as well, right? For people who are maybe doing house churches or smaller groups, whether it be Bible studies or, um, you know, just new ways of doing church. Don't y'all provide some kind of resources for people to leverage when they're having these conversations? Yeah, that is such a great clarifying question. So I think what makes New Wine Collective um, kind of different from a lot of ministries is um, is actually the answer is no. <laughs> um, we're actually not, or at least I personally, am not really trying to um, be a content creator. Um, I'm actually trying to create a platform for content. Okay. Um, and it's basically... You know, our goal is to create, uh, not, we're not trying to start a church. We're trying to develop a new way of doing church. And um, in a sense, New Wine Collective itself is not really even the end goal. It's really just the vehicle to get us to a new future. Um, so eventually, I think in, in some sense, like New Wine Collective is built to die. Hmm. Um, our our goal is to ha convene this conversation, um, try to develop a, an alternative model and an alternative approach to church so that other people, anyone, can do church anywhere, uh, wherever they are. I'm curious to know, what are some of the most interesting ideas and conversations that you've had as a result of the New One Collective? Yeah. So things are just getting started um, and, and at the same time moving really quickly. Um, it's sort of like a dual, like parallel process. Uh, on one hand, we are in the midst of trying to develop this alternative model. Um, at the same time, trying to convene this conversation on an ongoing basis. It's going to be an ongoing conversation trying to figure out a whole new ecclesiology and economy and um, spirituality for the church. Um, I think for me, the biggest, um, or I guess the most interesting conversations have been around um, alternative approaches to uh, power and authority in the church. Um, you know, usually when we think of church, it's hard to imagine church without a very top-down hierarchical approach. Um, but I think we're trying to develop an alternative model um, that's neither top-down hierarchical nor completely flat either, um, but a model of leadership that is more flexible and shared. Um, so, 
right. probably warrants an entire article. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, you know, I can see that it absolutely is needed. Just in, you know, recent years, we've seen the decline and fall of so many different pastors. Mm-hmm. You know, Hannah, you've been listening. I have not been man. I have not. <laughs> Hannah and I had this discussion before coming on the air about the the new podcast out, the rise and fall of Mars Hill Church by Christianity Today. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I know some background information, and so I have not, in my own personal history, my personal story, testimony, I can I've not been able to listen mm-hmm. to it yet. But I do know that that's part of it. You know, yeah. is that power. You know, it just goes back to that saying that abs power corrupts. Right. And it, I like thinking about it, how, you know, you need a different leadership structure that's not quite hierarchical, but it's not completely flat. Because I think, you know, I've been really frustrated with just, yeah, how all the power seems to be held at the top. There's people in church who have all the answers and then the rest of the people are consumers. And so I think... Mm-hmm. For a while, my mindset was, well, it just needs to be flat. Everybody has a voice and we just need to talk. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) I was at an event where these kids were playing a game. It was like a team building activity. And it was my dad, who's a coach, pointed out how, you know, the natural leaders kind of rise to the top and take authority in situations to like get the game moving or rolling along. And just how, I don't know, there's natural ways that people... Mm-hmm. have leadership um yeah and just how to capitalize on people's strengths right like yeah. like there's got to be some kind of natural i don't know way to do leadership yeah. <laughs> you know my mind always goes to ephesians 4 and perhaps that's because like my whole dissertation was based on ephesians 4 um right about the um the gifts he descended on high and he gave gifts to anthropos men and women and, you know, we have an entire church gifted to serve and gifted to lead mm-hmm. in various capacities. And they have all of this giftedness and we have it all. We're all dependent on that top leadership right. person or yeah. persons rather than, you know, elevating and, and equipping and, you know, sending out the whole body of Christ. We depend on the senior leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get uh, a little theological, um, I, I've been thinking a lot about um, kind of the, the concept of Trinity and uh, perichoresis, um, circle dance from uh, St. Saint, Saint Athanasius, uh, and the way he describes um, the Godhead as Father, Son, Holy Spirit in this mutual flowing dance. Um, and of course, we see this kind of motion in the Trinity of the Father sending the Son, the Son emptying himself of his um, of his divinity and becoming a servant, and and then God, you know, exalting him to the highest place is this sort of circular um, dance where the you know the God is constantly self-emptying and pouring and giving and receiving, and if that's the image of God, and we're made in God's image, then I think our greatest sort of goal is to mirror that image, that idea of um, love and leadership and power being shared and constantly flowing. Um, But somehow we've kind of expressed that through fixed hierarchies (laughs) and uh, people Mm -hmm. in positions with titles and power and never being able to divest of power. 
Um, and so I'm hopeful and longing for the church to um, embody it in a different way. Yeah, and I like how you said, you know, that's the image of God and we're made in God's image because you can take a, a measure of hope from that to say, we'll get there, you know, like we can do yeah. it. And um, in that, in your description of what the New Wine Collective is on y'all's website, you say that the spirituality that um, you kind of embody and hope to communicate is one that is simple and accessible based on love, practice, and justice, embracing mystery and preferring curiosity over certainty. And so us being Christian curious, I'm really intrigued by that last part. Um, Like why is the preference of curiosity over certainty so important to you? And how how do you practically foster that? Yeah, uh, it's slightly related, I think, to the previous topic about hierarchy and power and uh, just this move toward more flexibility and, and flow. Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a uh, quote from Paul Tillich, um, you know, he said, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's certainty. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, we've confused being a good Christian with being right all the time and having all the answers, right? Um, Which is strange because um, in the wisdom of the Bible, that's almost the definition of a fool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The problem is, you know, of course, we're human. We're wrong all the time. And Christianity itself uh, has been wrong many times about a lot of things. Um, and I think we're all becoming more and more aware of our own history that, um, that that's true and that Christianity itself isn't even just one set of beliefs either. Uh, Christian traditions are constantly in disagreement with one another and constantly evolving and changing. So the idea of basing our faith on certainty about X, Y, Z um, just seems untenable and unwise. Um, because as soon as you're certain about something, you stop learning and you stop growing and you stop looking uh, for what's true uh, because you've already convinced yourself you know the truth, right? you know it all. Mm. So in many ways, I think this is sort of the operating system that we've been um, kind of, op- you know, uh, we've been operating in this operating system for hundreds of years. Um, but I think uh, it's kind of a bold statement. <laughs> so. Part of me, I could, I, maybe I'll change my mind later, but uh, <laughs> for today, I, I think certainty, um, kind of the dualistic, either or, black and white, uh, categorical, judgmental thinking is at the root uh, of most of the problems within church and society today. That's amazing um, that you are not certain about your opinions on certainty, but you're pretty curious <laughs> yeah, about no, it. <laughs> certain. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this has been our operating system for the past hundred years, and it's led to exclusion and oppression and violence. And uh, I believe we need a new and better operating system. And I think that better way is the way of love, wisdom, and humility. Hmm. Um, we need a better way of knowing things. Um, and so, yeah, well, I I think there's a lot to be said about it. You know, one of the first things that comes to mind is, you know, as I, as I'm thinking about these issues, you know, knowing, knowing things for sure, knowing things, um, for certain and, 
and and the exclusion that absolutely happens whenever we do say we believe in this or that um you know i think about what christianity is and what it isn't and i think about these you know i mean we have discerned over you know theologians have you know kind of separated out primary issues versus secondary issues in theology you know christianity is defined as the religion based on the person and teachings of jesus of nazareth or its belief and practices you know and the church went on for 300 years before the first council the council of nicaea was gathered to define what christianity was and was what it wasn't um trying to maintain faithful to the person and the teachings of jesus and so as we're thinking and as we're opening ourselves up to questions is there a way that you have thought about you know what what is your opinion on these primary doctrines that that maybe the nicene creed or the apostles creed i mean can you may be faithful to a certain set of doctrine even as you embrace mystery and curiosity I certainly hope so, uh, and I think you, you've actually kind of stated it well. Um, I, I do think it's important to listen to the voice of tradition um, and to know our history, um, but even to sort of like a side note, uh, even the Council of Nicaea, Nicaea, right? I mean, who was in that room? That itself is sort of a question there, perhaps problematic that it was basically all men you know in power it is so um, funny you yeah. should say that because just this morning me and my daughter were seeing i was explaining in the room where it happened from hamilton mm-hmm. I, I was like you know they decided washington dc was in washington dc and all the financial institutions were in new york and there were only three men there when that was that happened they were only yeah. those people were the only people in the room where it happened that's, that's so bizarre yeah. we were just singing that this morning <laughs> anyway total tangent sorry go back yeah, to your that, thoughts that was kind of a tangent for me too <laughs> so i'm going to come back to uh, your question which i think is really great uh, I, I think as humans we have no choice but to believe what we believe uh i i hold a lot of beliefs um but i think we also need um humility and an awareness of the limits of our knowledge um that god cannot be contained in propositional statements or even volumes of, you know, books and systematic theology. And, um, and so I, when I talk about this operating system, I really see this as part of the evolution of the church. I think the church needs to move toward a non-dual approach uh, to knowing that can hold opposites in tension. Mm. And part of that means that we believe in our doctrines and at the same time, um, know that we don't see the full picture and that we probably have more than a few things wrong. If God truly is, you know, uh, if his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our ways, uh, our, our thoughts. And, uh, and and if the Bible, what the Bible says is true, we, we see through a glass darkly. Right. Um, and so in a lot of ways, it is a sort of maturing of our beliefs. Believe what we believe, but be okay with not knowing everything. Uh, and in fact, that's an invitation to deeper, um, deeper relationship and deeper knowing. Uh, in a, in a way. I'm sort of a, a wannabe mystic. I, yeah. I love mystery, um, and I'm sort of new to it. And one of the things that um, Richard Rohr says is, 
A mystery is not something we can't understand, but something we can understand endlessly. Ooh. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so God is not to be contained or like, you know, uh, mastered or wielded, which so often, like, I think functionally, that's what evangelicalism tries to do. But I prefer this sort of standing in an open field and, and being totally like enveloped in the the majesty and mystery of God and knowing he's way bigger than what my brain can handle. You know, what, what you're saying really reminds me of Deuteronomy 2029. 20, 2929, it's um, the secret things belong or it's the things revealed the secret things belong to the lord but the things revealed belong to us and our sons forever and you know there are secret things of the lord that we're just never really going to be able to grasp or understand um but you know as we've had this conversation and as i've thought about you know your thoughts and you know your ideas i (laughs) I kind of reflected back um, recently. I went to the Wonder Museum, and I think that's even how you say. It. I've never even heard anyone pronounce it. It's W N D R, so I'm pronouncing it Wonder and Wonder Museum in Chicago um, with my daughter. And you know the well, the the next to the last exhibit was where you go into this room and you hear um, uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And you hear people listening to it from around the world. You get an image of, and you can hear people, different people humming it. And so you're singing this hallelujah song with uh, all these people from around the world. It's pretty amazing. I, you know, my daughter had to drag me out of the room because I just wanted to stay in there forever by myself. And, um, but the very last exhibit was, what do you know sure? And you could look at this wall of answers of, of people who sat there and wrote down, what do they know for sure? You know, and that's a big question in our time today because we are living in a time where we do, don't know a lot of things for sure because a lot of the things we thought we knew for sure aren't exactly true. And so as you embrace mystery and and curiosity, I'd like to pose this question to you. What do you know for sure about Jesus? Mm -hmm. Awesome question. I think the truest thing I know that Jesus reveals is that God is love. I think... um, I arrive at that not just because of the tradition that I grew up in and uh, the degrees that I hold or, you know, uh, even like the, my own analysis and work that I've done. I think I arrive at that because that just feels true to me at a very deep level. Um, and I think the Bible kind of speaks to that in saying, you know, it, God is love. and. Again, if we're made in God's image, then that means so are we. Um, it's the truest expression of our humanity. And so I think it's, you know, lo- most things are nuanced. There's a lot we, we know and a lot we cannot know and a lot that we can disagree on. But um, at the end of the day, I think love is in our nature as human beings. Uh, it's intrinsic. It's accessible to anyone, anywhere, no matter what culture, no matter what 
uh, gender or sexuality, no matter what religion. Um, there's something very basic about being human and being children of God. Um, and so built on top of that, there's a lot of doctrine and theology and all that stuff. But I think at the core of it, it's just something very intuitive and, and basic to what it means to be human. I I like that answer. And, you know, based on our conversations, I have so many thoughts, but it's not overwhelming in the sense of, you know, sometimes when you have a ton of thoughts and questions and you're trying to arrive at a certain answer, it can feel like you'll never get there. But I think just painting our faith journey as something that is cloaked in love and mystery and just wonder is really refreshing. And so if people want to engage in these conversations and get involved with New Wine Collective, um, whether it's just plugging into, yeah, the conversation or adding thoughts, how do they do that? Like, how do, how do they access what you're creating? Yeah, uh, I, I, I might regret this later or not. I'm not sure, but I'm still at a stage where you know, I just want to talk to all kinds of people from all over. Uh, because I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And so I'm very accessible online on social media. You can look me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I have to warn you, I'm really bad at social media in general, but um, <laughs> it's a good way to connect with me. Uh, people can also check out our website, newlinecollective.org. Uh, and on the website, it explains a little bit more about what we're trying to create. And uh, there's some journal entries there that might be interesting to some people about power in the church, about the business model of church. Um, I think it's some good stuff there mm-hmm. to interact with. So. <laughs> That's awesome. And are your um, social media handles, is it just Eugene Kim? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> I believe so. They're all different. I, I'm sure it's, I'm pretty searchable. Okay. Awesome. Search uh, Eugene Kim New Wine Collective. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll bring up something. Yes. Um, Eugene, thank you so much for being with us again today. Thank you so much. I really enjoy our conversations. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you've missed any part of our shows, you can find our podcast at anywhere you can find podcasts. Mm-hmm. Right, Hannah? That's true. Yep. Apple, Spotify, the whole nine yards. <laughs> yes. And we have a website, uh, www.christiancurious.co. And we love to hear from listeners. So um, stay curious, everyone. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious. You can contact Dr. Haley at Haley, H-A-L-E-E, at ChristianCurious.co. That's H-A-L-E-E at ChristianCurious.co. Catch all the episodes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also learn more at www.ChristianCurious.co.